Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to be here for our fifth season of the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During that show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And I'm so super pumped about my guest here with me today. Bear with me as I read this incredibly amazing bio. Ellen Winter, she, they, is a song-singing queerdo, music producer, and teaching artist whose music fuses theatrical storytelling with dreamy synths and vocal stacks. She co-composed, wrote, directed 36 Questions, the world's first Broadway-caliber musical star uh, podcast, starring Jonathan Groff and Jesse Shelton. In 2020, she released her debut glitter-fueled album, Every Feeling I've Ever Felt, and the record's viral empowerment anthem mantras hit number one on the U.S. in-store radio charts. Ellen is a recipient of the 2021 Brian Gallus Posthumous. Is that how you say that? Okay. Posthumous, I think. Posthumous. Yes, I think that's right. (laughs) I think that's right. This is not the first time I've had to get clarity in the middle of a bio on a word, so I appreciate it. You're rocking it. Um, Prodigy Productions, Musicians Fellowship, and the first single, Feel Good, off her next album drops July 28th. You can follow Ellen at It's Ellen Winter and ellenwinter.com. Ellen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Dubs. <laughs> I'm so happy that we're here together. We're doing it. Oh my gosh, me too. I, I can't believe it, but I can, I can. Imagination is wonderful. Imagination is wonderful. <laughs> you know, it. Have you, have you read yet Elliot Page's Page Boy? I have not, I have not. What's your hot take? Well, it's first of all, it's very, 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 very good. He's an excellent writer. But he talks about private play and where he would feel the most himself when he would play by himself in his imagination. And so it just I just was like that resonated so deeply with me where I felt so when I was a kid, just like feeling so myself because I could do, be whoever I wanted because no one could tell me no. So anyways, imagination, you know. Yeah, man. Imagination and queerness, I feel like, are so connected. Yeah. It's all about like what what is what is beyond what we're seeing right in front of us or like what we've been presented with our whole life. How do we think outside of the box and on more of a spectrum? And mm. uh, I think to be, I don't know, imagination feels like such a quintessential part of self-discovery for anybody. And I feel like in imagining futures different than the present, I think it's it's an important tool uh, for queer people. Amen. Podcast over. <laughs> like, how, how do we how do we top that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's just it is. It's I, the number of hours that I spent dreaming about like what could be mm. is unparalleled to oh. anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it goes for any sort of like, I feel like Adrienne Marie Brown talks about this a lot and like Octavia Butler, like sci-fi being this way of, of imagining a different world and kind of showing the cracks in our own and, and uh, how it's such a powerful way to, you have to like really articulate what you would want that to be in order to like move closer to it. And, um, or even like, Feel how it feels in your body to step into that space. Yeah, which I found, I I didn't realize it was happening while it was happening, except in hindsight, I did. Improv mm. is such an incredible tool for that. Totally, 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 absolutely. Improv, play, imagination, necessary. Mm-hmm. And a triangle. All, yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, are you? Are you? Or were you an improviser? I know you're a theater person, but oh yeah, yeah you know. Uh, 
high school, my sport was theater sports. Um, so I was, I was improvising stuff. I was making things up on a stage for sure. I love that. I was just at my, at my high school reunion and was having conversations about improv and it's, and I wanted to just, cause I, you know, everyone I was talking to was like, I could never do that. This is mm-hmm. so scary. And, and like, I get it. And I'm like, but we're improvising right now. Like I, you have no idea what I'm going to say. I mean, you can, you know, and I have no idea what you're going to say, but life is improv. Is improv. <laughs> what is life but one long form improv, baby? You know, yeah, it was second, like... third beats. You know, it's just like, come on, you got to get sanded. Exactly, exactly. And they were like, oh yeah, this is improv. So, anyways, wow, wow. Yeah. you did an improv everywhere at your high school reunion. I did. I really did. <laughs> I had one person be like, "Can you tell a joke right now? Tell a joke to my husband." And I was like. No, I don't, no, I'm like, no, I don't, that's all I could say was no, thank you. You're like, actually, I'm going to no but that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I accept the honor, but decline the nomination. I was <laughs> like, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it just was, I felt really seen, like, okay, you are following, you understand that I, you know, am a comedian of sorts or, or was yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, but anyways... Yeah, well, it's that thing of like as an entertainer, right? It's like, it's like, oh, are you funny? Do do something funny. Do something funny. Or like, oh, you're a singer. Well, just just sing something right now. And it's like, oh, um, oh, say, <laughs> like, oh God, why is that the first song that popped in my head? You know, it's like, it's like, what joke? What joke would you tell? Right. It's it, uh, just like, and none of my jokes are like one-off jokes. It's they're part of the whole set and. You but sent it them was the link to the Eventbrite. You were like, "Yeah, here you go." Yeah, exactly. Um, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> no, I didn't, but I could have. I should have. Um, okay, Ellen. We all have multiple coming out stories, multiple coming into ourselves stories, and I would love for you to share one of those with me and us here today. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I've. I've never talked about this actually, like Mm. in public. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was both excited and nervous to come on here. Um, So I identify as like a lot of things in terms of the sexuality spectrum. Um, I would say these days I feel most comfy with like pansexual and queer. And I was really lucky to grow up with very accepting parents and uh, I went to an arts high school in DC. I went to Duke Ellington um, and that was, you know, I remember going there in ninth grade as a theater student and looking around and seeing like out teenagers, like being their full selves in that space and like seeing that school was actually like this kind of sacred place for a lot of humans um to express their full selves and like articulate their queerness um and and just be who they wanted to be and uh you know i always i always kind of knew (laughs) i was like like I find boys attractive but I'm always open and I'd always had really close blurry female friendships which even has an asterisk on that but like I it was my best friend in high school at one point um I don't know if we were best friends yet but they are they are queer and they were out as bisexual and I'd never met somebody who was like out as bisexual and they they looked at me and they were like you're gay and I was like, what? What do you die? What do you mean, me? And they were like, I see it. I know it. I sense it. It's okay. Whenever you want to talk about it, like we could talk about it. And um, so shout out to my best friend, Al. Um, we're still best friends to this day. And um, they really like welcomed me into this space of unknown because of course I had ingested all of these narratives around bisexuality. And like, I was like, what is what is it to like uh opposite gender and my own gender also gonna circle back to what gender is all about because i don't have the capacity to process that at 15. um and so i kind of like i was kind of i would say half in half out in high school because i again i was fortunate enough to be in a space that it was not um 
my high school was so like liberal and progressive and artistic. Um, and then I went to like one of the queerest colleges around. I went to Sarah Lawrence and uh, hilariously, um, you know, I got a boyfriend in high school and we tried to do long distance. And for some reason, I'm not proud of this, but it was my journey. I went to Sarah Lawrence and I was like, you know what? I think I'm straight. I think I'm straight. I must be straight. I'm doing this long distance thing. I like am in love with this guy. I had like hooked up with a lot of women in high school, women, girls, we were teenagers. And, and um, I just felt like I had all this internalized pressure of like what it meant to be bisexual. And so I kind of went back in the closet in um, college uh, and proceeded to kind of sort of fall in love with my best friend in college who was a woman and um we like you know uh it was this <laughs> we we would <laughs> we would make out at parties and like we would hold hands and in my mind I was running this narrative like this doesn't count because I'm straight which was not the case. And eventually me and my boyfriend broke up um, for many reasons. <laughs> and me and this friend, we like, you know, it wasn't really until this past year that we really unpacked it. Um, but I, we kind of had this moment together where we were like, um, I don't think either of us are straight. Clearly there is something happening between us. <laughs> That is um really really not straight. Um, and then the next the next year I was uh you know dating dating a woman in my class and um I was like oh okay yeah right no confirmed definitely not straight <laughs> this is this is a different world for me um and so it was kind of this I went back and forth I'm very much a person who is um, an in-betweener in a lot of ways. And I think I spent a lot of my life really thinking I had feeling guilty about not being one thing. And so I, you know, I think I spent a lot of my like 13 to 22 really like, like fervently oscillating between different ends of spectrum. Um, because it was so unsettling and uncomfortable for me to accept that maybe I'm not one thing and maybe that's okay. And maybe that's actually a superpower and maybe that's awesome. Well, amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Uh, okay. So, so many, first of all, thank you for sharing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. I realized that went all over the place. I will, I will add one thing in that I did, I did tell my parents and that I was like, I remember when I started dating this girl in college and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going on a date later with Mimi. And, uh, my mom was like, did you just come out to me via text? And I was like, Oh yeah. And she was like, <laughs> cool. And I was like, cool. And that was like it. Amazing. <laughs> And and my dad was also just like it like came up sometime I was visiting and he was like oh I he was like I heard you went on a date with a woman and I was like I did and he was like good for you and I was like okay well that simplifies things it, it was very simple and my brother is also queer so I think my parents were like all right well I guess both of our kids are out here living the rainbow dream and uh, we gotta either like get on board or you know, do go to therapy. So. <laughs> or both. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Preferably both. We Preferably all, we both. Could, yeah. If therapy works for you, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, well, I'm going to work backwards. So yes. did, did you, like, when you sent that text to your mom, were you, like, thinking about it? Were you, like, I'm coming out in this moment? Or was it, did it just, like, what was your thought process if you had one? Yeah, I think I kind of knew it was happening, but my my mom and I have such a transparent relationship that I was like, I feel like this is, I, I felt myself not wanting to make a huge deal about it and wanting to just like pepper in the facts of like, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing with my day. Um, and I remember my heart beating really like it's happening right now. Like I remember my heart beating really fast when I sent the text and I remember being in a mall random. I remember being in a mall when I sent it. Um, and, 
yeah so I, I I didn't I wasn't anticipating it to be like a big thing and it and it and it wasn't so yeah <laughs> okay well that's so nice I feel like so <laughs> it's great actually uh, I know, I, know. <laughs> I I feel like there's just so much um I think it, I think it is like age dependent location dependent what you're coming out as dependent um for like folks of like, I don't know how this is going to go. And yes. so I, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but, and did you, did you have a sense that that would be received well? And that's why you were like, this isn't going to be a big deal. Or were you just kind of banking on the unknown? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I, I honestly, my whole life, I think whenever my mom, my mom worked in DC and I went to high school in DC. So we would we would drive into the city together. So we would get like two hours back and forth in the car at least every day. And, um, you know, as I'm going through my teenage motions and emotions, and I remember I had brought it up like a few times, just kind of peppered it in with both of my parents to kind of dip my toe in of just like, you know, if I end up with a guy or a girl, you know, like just kind of like, and just testing it and they had always just been so open-minded and supportive that um yeah there was no moment where i really sat down and i was like i'm bisexual or like i'm queer or i'm pansexual um they they were incredibly supportive and learned to go with the flow just as i was simultaneously trying to go with the flow of myself yeah i i did similar tests to see and it didn't go so well so it's like uh i mean everything's that's okay it's everything's okay now but it was it was uh for me just very scary to think about like when i do share this information what's going to happen um and it's in in hindsight my parents were like it's just they didn't even know what they were saying they'd had no they just it's one of those that when you know better do better kind of deals and uh and so we, you know, had a lot, a lot, a lot of conversations about the impact of your words and thinking before you say things. And if you don't understand something, don't talk shit about it. Maybe just like be curious about it. And, uh, you know, lots of learning together moments. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's so, um, like, I don't think this is the right word as we were just, as you were just saying, words are powerful, but like, the patience it must have taken on your end to also come to them with that level of curiosity. Like it isn't just curiosity on their end, you know, um, and that patience and understanding to like walk with them and kind of hold their hand to bring them to you is like, that is no small feat. That is no small feat. Thank you for saying that because there, I mean, it, it is no small feat, especially around uh, with like gender identity things and explaining yeah. over and over certain terms or aspects of my life. And it's like, I, you know, I've, I don't know if you've like seen this or heard this where it's like, you don't have to understand me to respect me, which like I do really appreciate. But then there's also a part of me that's like, but like for my family, for my loved ones who are like, I want you to understand me. I want you in my my world. I want you to get it because there's like, you can if because when we don't have that understanding, where I feel like there's we're gonna miss things. Totally. Um, and so it's it is I I am still actively working on that patience that you mentioned and and the kindness that needs to continuously show up because there are definitely moments where I'm where I'm not being my best self because I'm so tired of advocating for educating about and it's like I just want you to get it I just need you to be here with me oh my gosh of course I mean it's like building it's like building a space between you know or it's like as you were talking about it it made me think about like bees and how bees like can see all of these colors that like we couldn't even comprehend and you know but the thing is is like bees and people like people are people but like humans who maybe have not uh had the exercise or like are used to wearing a specific color of lenses like maybe are not like just don't have the experience or like muscles to like 
take in really like the full spectrum of colors that like could actually exist and that isn't isn't just for people who identify as queer but it is like a part of our life experience in like demonstrating color or like you know showing and 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 kind of like marking through and walking through what what it could be yeah yeah absolutely and I, I also just want to say that my parents are great and oh, yeah. like so supportive, but like, I don't also don't want to paint this picture of like everything is beautiful and perfect. Cause that's also just not true, but they can be great and it can also be hard. Yes. Both. And yeah, exactly. um, I have this, uh, when you were talking about the, like the, the colors and, and such, just like, I feel like there's this thing in my family we have where we talk about like rosy colored glasses, mm-hmm. where it's just like, everything is, is like I grew up in this like small town in Ohio where it was just like very like you would imagine like picket fancy like very very but like homogenous not a lot of diversity um I was just I was just home for my 20th high school reunion I was driving around with my parents and I I was trying to explain to them that like this now I'm just going off on a tangent here but this like almost like sense of guilt that I feel that I grew up with such privilege and it's like I didn't even like ask for it or which feels shitty to even say but it's like so what do I do with that and um but and then on the same token with growing up in that space I wasn't exposed to queerness and racial diversity and ethnic ethnic diversity and religious diversity it was mostly just very much the same and um so, which brings me back to the rosy colored glasses where it's like, I thought the world was one way until I learned it is very much not one way. And my way of growing up is a small percentage of people who get to experience life in that way. It's just, it's just, just it's, it's bonkers to then be exposed to what the world actually is. And then what do you do with that? Of course. And it's like, I feel like it's a constant, like unfurling and revealing and, and like, uh, you know, life is long because of new experiences, right? And like seeking out those things in the on the edges of your comfort zone. And yeah, I mean, there's things about like, I feel like I'm still discovering things about my neighborhood. And I've lived here for over two years, you know, it's like, I'm still discovering things about New York, I'm still discovering things about myself, my friends, queerness, like the community, there's so there's it's so rhizomatic and there's so many different access points um but it is like all it takes right is like maybe like one person being like eh i'm lifting my glasses this is a podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could be something Ooh, else <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i i always have this thought I feel like i was talking to my cousins about this once years ago like everyone it should be like a requirement for everyone to live somewhere they didn't grow up for at least a year. Just yes. and if we could swing it in New York City, just because to live in New York City is so different than living anywhere else in this country, maybe the world. Um, I don't know. I haven't been everywhere, so I, it's hard, you know. But and it's New York City, so it's like <laughs> New York is singular. Like like it is singular in the experience of being here for sure. Yeah, and like, what can you discover about other people and yourself? being exposed in these you know in and meeting people and and who live you know different experiences yeah it's just i i think the world might be a better place if that were if that were possible yeah i mean it is like well it's you can get i think you can get tunnel vision right yeah Um, and i think and i and i would even offer as well that it's like the same goes for us in the city. If, if you have the privilege of being able to go somewhere else, it's, and I mean, that's one of the amazing things about like going on tour and um, really kind of dropping in. Like I was in Appalachia a couple of years ago and I was like, whoa. And I also like learned that was where my mom's family was from. And I'd never been there before. I'd never been to like big stone gap um, and like hearing you know, hearing and seeing like bluegrass uh, inspired by like 
Old Testament Bible verses. I was like, whoa, this is bananas. I've never, I've, I've never seen or, or been in this live. And like, I am also like white, straight passing, cis passing. So like, I had a lot of privilege to go some, go there and, and like move through with, um, a sense of safety and be like relatively unscathed. Um, but it was like to just, to connect with people who are living a totally different life as well. And I've, I've always lived in a like metropolitan adjacent area. Yeah. I went to a small town. Yeah. Let's, I, you know, it's just, I was going to say more of what you just said, which so just, yes. <laughs> Ditto that. <laughs> yes. Um, so you, you mentioned a few times of taking on the word queer. And I'm curious if, and, and you know, that word can mean something different to each person who uses it. And I'm wondering if you would be open to sharing what that word means to you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To me, uh, I think about, so I'm a musician, but I'm a very visual person. I'm a very like physical person. And I think about like, you know, when you're like on Microsoft paint, you know, those like old MS paints and you're like selecting a, a color from like a big gradient and it's just kind of this like seemingly endless void of color that is what being queer means to me and like mm. on any given day i might fall on a different color in terms of how i identify with my sexuality how i identify with my gender it's just kind of like a okay like <laughs> i'm gonna wake up and see how i feel or like see what feels good to me and you know, I would say I hang out in a general like palette of an mm. area, but it is, you know, sometimes if I feel like I've been like orange for a while, I'm like, huh, why am I orange right now? Is it or am I orange because I'm comfortable being orange? Am I orange because I feel aligned with being orange? Or am I feeling the prickles to maybe go see what turquoise is all about and go check it out over there? I love that analogy. Thanks. <laughs> I love it a lot. I use, um, when I teach, I use the analogy of an abacus. We talked about queer math before we started this episode. Oh, we did, yes. Um, yes. Which is, so an app, you know, you know an abacus, it's like with the beads. Of course. Uh, of course. I don't know how to use it, but I know that it's for math. It makes cool sounds. It makes cool sounds. <laughs> um, and I always just like present it to the room and I'm like, you know, we're all an abacus, but our beads all, all lie different ways and, and can be moved at any given moment and all that. So that the, the analogy is resonating with like the, the color palette, which might even be a better analogy because with an abacus, there are distinct endpoints. Mm, mm, and with mm. this palette that you described with endless colors, there's just endless ways to be. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I also do feel like in the abacus analogy, there's what, what that sparked for me was, really like a layering which which i feel like even in you know in picking like a color it would be like you know orange is made up of pff, all of these colors right it's like those data points on the abacus is like pff, like all of these different numbers that could be scooting different quantities on any given day right because it's not just like a it's not a singular fixed point it's it's a multiplicity queer is queerness is multiplicity to me Write that down. Queerness is multiplicity. Really? Really <laughs> My dog assistant. Ah, I love that. So I'm writing it. She'll take it. She's writing a memo about it. Nice. I'm writing it down as She's well. On threads. Are you on threads? I, I, it, technically, but I have not said any words there yet, which might change by the time this airs. So check it out. Yeah. I'm <laughs> See, on it too. I but I'm thread silence. Right? I'm just overwhelmed by it. I, I never really liked Twitter in the first place. And so I'm like, sure. why am I doing this? But fine, right. I'm there. Yeah, I, I feel like I had fun on Twitter when I started just posting pictures and small captions that were kind of random. And just like, I was like, clearly I am not an incredibly succinct person. Like, I'm not going to get on there and be like, wit in 140 characters. But I'll be like, clouds, 9 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all you need, right? I need that's my contribution to Twitter. Yeah, are you still on Twitter? Also, I, I, 
as of today, uh, I am still on Twitter. I am still there. Do you like interact with it or you just exist in there? Uh, honestly, it's like I have a bandmate who's really active on Twitter and I live for his feed. Mm. And that is really, that is really why I'm there. Asar, he's an incredible producer and DJ and human all around. So, um, <laughs> Shout out to Azar for having an incredible, immaculate Twitter thread. Well, we love that. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, I said I was working backwards, so I have one more question about yes. your story, yes. which is, and I forget their name, I'm sorry, your best friend in high school. Al. Al, I knew it. Yeah. Okay, so when Al looked at you and said, you're gay, I see it, I know it, I sense it. What is that? What did that do to you? Like, what was that moment like for you? Oh to be gosh. seen and called called out in that way, I guess. I mean, I was so... In some ways, I think initially, I, I was probably a little defensive about it because I felt like I had been, like, caught, you mm -hmm. know? I had been called out. It was that feeling, even though they did it in such a jovial, like, inviting, like, kind of, like, negging a little bit, but, like, like it was playful. I was just like... Mm. Oh God. Um, yeah. And then as like time went on, it was, I mean, we really bonded over like our sexual awakenings um, in high school and like they continue to be like the first person I call like in a, in an aha gender or like queerness moment. Um, so even though initially I was like, I felt a little spooked, um, it was really like the first offering that I, I, you know, I started going to them to talk about this stuff that I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody else about. Um, and I'm like truly, oh my God, I'm getting emotional, truly forever grateful that they gave me a building block of language to begin to better understand what was happening inside of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could have gone any way, right? I mean, that's, and so I'm glad that it went, went the route of helping you build a foundation and give you tools to flourish. Yes, yes, yes. Me too. Me too. It was a, uh, it was a moment that like, honestly has echoed in my life as well. Like I have encountered and made friends with, with people since college who were like, confused or in a moment and and you know in a moment of vulnerability we're talking and i'm like i mean like i kind of get a queer vibe from you if that's like if you're looking for some kind of affirmation of like your experience maybe why this is so confusing is because of these reasons you know um i don't know i think i i'm i'm very like i like to talk about I both love and hate talking about scary things, but I think that's why I try to practice it because it's like, I always want to turn towards the thing that scares me the most. In true improv fashion, follow the fear. That's why, that's why. It's because of theater sports. That's, right? that's why I do it. That makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so interesting to me because there I, I talk about this on, on many, many episodes about this idea of like recognition or seeing queerness in other people and how uh, I have a pretty good track record of of recognizing queerness in people even before they know it for themselves. But it never, ever, ever, ever dawned on me to share that with that person because uh I think, well, I think some of it might be my own internalized homophobia and transphobia of like, mm -hmm. of like having to still work through that of like, it's not actually a bad thing to be either of those things. Um, I think the one time that I made an assumption and was wrong, uh, I invited a friend who's now one of my dearest, dearest friends, Caroline, yeah. uh, to come to do, thank you for coming out to be a storyteller in, in the live show yeah and she was just like i'm so honored like i'm not part of the community but thank it was like so grace graceful and gracious about it i'm like not everyone's gonna be like that because i think then other on the other side of things there are uh, people especially people who are maybe who aren't out are 
some of them, not all of them, are also working through internalized homophobia and transphobia. And to have have someone to have someone recognize it and call them on it might be I'm always afraid like it's gonna push them away. Totally. Totally and shut and down also, the conversation. Yeah, and you don't wanna like out somebody before they're ready to be outed even to themselves. Right. Um, right. But I, I, I think like to what you're saying, there's this cool opportunity of like what I certainly felt and 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 what I hope my my friends who like we've kind of unearthed things together you know I I really felt like an olive branch or like a kind of like hey the water's warm it's like it's cool it's cool over here man like it's all good and you know um I've I've also had conversations with Al about gender stuff too and 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 um it's been really amazing to have a friend like that uh like we've been friends now for like 16 years like just both of us on this kind of gradient of color journey it's kind of waving at each other from our different colors <laughs> just like hey how's it going <laughs> over there cool are you purple today sick okay great <laughs> yeah yeah i love that i love that a lot um but i think i think the like what i want to pull from this uh is that is that sense of knowingness within each other and also um providing the language and the foundation and the safety to explore or talk about things um i know when i've been in those moments where it's like i can feel i can feel you like you being whoever i'm in the conversation with like wanting but not but afraid where i so i dance that line very carefully and and for better for worse bring the conversation back to me to make it mm. less about them. And and I just share about like moments that I've had and like was always so grateful when, you know, people would share their stories with me. So I could, you know, in, in a way to invite people without being like, I see you. Yeah, classic like facilitator modeling. Yes, exactly. Strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, my, I think the first person that I ever, met who was out and gay was my rabbi which was like the like i went to like a super progressive reformed synagogue growing up and like knowing that like i had a i had a like woman senior rabbi and then like the co-rabbi i don't know what i don't know what his official title was but he was he was an out gay man like in our community community and he was like celebrated and it was honestly like amazing to see um and uh and then like as i got older i later found out like i had cousins who were gay and i had like and my brother came out and then i was like oh my god wait a minute we're everywhere everywhere <laughs> everywhere yeah. i wonder so much like what life could have been like if there was like an out rabbi in my world when i was growing up i i learned recently that there was an out rabbi at a different synagogue but it was year decade or more after i was already gone um i moved away from ohio a while ago but um uh but yeah the power of seeing yourself even if it's not an exact one-to-one translation uh is so huge it's huge it's enormous yes life-changing yeah yeah, I mean, I would even go as far to say that, like, I think, like, the first time I really saw what felt like, like, seeing um, Alana Glazer on uh, Broad City was, like, a huge, like, I know that that, like, came out pretty late, and, like, I I was, like, in high school or college, I think it was in college when Broad City was coming out, but I was just like, look at this chaotic Jewish bisexual being loud and wily around New York City. I was like, I can identify with that. Yes, it, I love, I love broad city i actually this is so silly i love broad city so much that i stopped watching it because i like was mad at it does that even make sense you were like how could you be this good yes i was like stop. i hate you you're so amy, good amy? <laughs> somebody get amy on the phone we gotta pull it we gotta shut it down shut it down and then it was not till years later did i find during the pandemic when i finally finished it and i was like Oh, this is so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. So it, such a uh I think they tied it up as best they could, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um so 
Okay, so you talked about your talk. You've talked about like being a theater person, and I know we all know you're a musician because you're an incredible musician. And I forget how I actually found you or music, but Spotify works magic. And um, so, and I love and I love every feeling I've ever felt, which is just like, what a what a what a title, right? (laughs) How did you come up with that? And tell us a little bit about, so I read it's a celebration of self-acceptance and actualization. So can you give us a little like walk through, talk through of the history and, and the nuts and bolts of this? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, what's interesting is like, what I will say is like, I'm releasing stuff under Ellen Winter, right? Um, I am not the only person making these albums happen, you know, and like dueling them into existence. And I'm really fortunate to have an incredible team of collaborators and co-producers and just like magic minds who are really able to like give me uh, tangible tools and words to describe what it is that like I'm actually trying to do. And so before I made this record, I had my first ever like solo show at this off-Broadway theater called um, Ars Nova. Um, and it was a uh, one of their one night stands. And I knew it was gonna be like stripped down. I was gonna have two backup singers. I was like, okay, I'm gonna play like literally every song from my canon. I've got like musical theater stuff I've written. I've got like chamber band stuff and I've got like my solo stuff. And I think this is the night I'm gonna announce like my campaign for my record. And my collaborator, Kelly Teeger, pitched this title, Every Feeling I've Ever Felt, A Night of Songs and Ugly Crying with Ellen Winter. And as like the title for the Ars Nova event. And we were like, that's a great title, Kelly. Kelly, that's amazing. I was like, that so describes exactly what I want the night to be. I want us to cry. I want us to dance. I want us to go through it all. And um, so when it came down to like us building this record and this particular record was a collection of songs that I had written over the last, like, you know, I mean, this, the record came out in 2020 and I had written the first song in 2010. So it was really like 10 years of music. Um, Every feeling I've ever felt just felt like it. It was like such a pivotal moment for me. And I released it like on the, uh, like just before my Saturn return, you know, it came out when I was 28. And um, it really felt like a moment where I was, stepping into myself and kind of meeting myself along with it what felt like a team of people who had like seen me and know who I knew who I was and I was like catching up to them to some to some extent um and so much of that was like you know working through anxiety and depression and like all of this stuff that you know us artists uh, and normal humans like just are grappling with at any given moment um so yeah yeah, that is that is how that that is how that came to be and 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 it really felt like it's really a capsule um and and a moment of like what felt like peace and celebration uh just a little buoy before a lot of stuff happened, which this next record's about. But like, it was this moment um, that I feel just so like grateful and stoked that people get to like embody and listen to now. Amazing, I love that. And to have what what's what like, um, I think I'm looking for the right word, but I guess power to have a team that knows you so well that's like we're gonna build this thing that we know is for you and just wait for you to be like yeah this is that's amazing what a like that's what an incredible feeling we fucking rock i don't i mean i listen it was uh it's a lot it's a lot of patience and flexibility on on everybody's part and and imagination and you know it's i think it's easy Sometimes I like have these moments where I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I, maybe I should have come up with a project name instead of being Ellen Winter. Like maybe that's like tricky and hard, and maybe I made my life more difficult. But on the flip side, I also feel this like incredible sense of alignment of being able to like 
I do feel like a bit of a cartoon character when I step on stage or, or when, like, I do feel like a more, like a slightly elevated version of myself and knowing that I had this like group of people who kind of helped me meet that person was like, I, I, I couldn't be luckier. I really couldn't. That's so cool. And are these the collaborators that are, that you are continuing to work with? Yeah. So, uh, Chris Littler, um, was one of my co-producers on every feeling I've ever felt. And, and the person I wrote, um, co-wrote 36 questions with, and we were actually in a band together called chamber band, um, which is like still a band. We're just, people have children now, so we're a bit scattered. Um, so he was a co-producer on that record and is a co-producer on this next one, as well as Charles Wanless, who has been working as co-producer label, uh, guru and just like sonic and music industry genius. Um, and, uh, and Kelly is, is like, honestly, she, she and I work together in, um, writing musical capacity. Um, and she is such a like litmus test for me. Um, and, and Kelly and Chris are actually married. Um, but Kelly's like dramaturgical brain is like chef's kiss. Like she's very much like older sister. I never had status. Well, that's the high honor. <laughs> it's a high honor to like be in their wheeled house. So that's wheeled so cool. House. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have a million questions. I so 36 questions is a mm -hmm. podcast. Like, t t can you say more about that? And also is the 36 Judaism related at all? Oh, no, it's not related to Judaism, but mm. it is. I mean, I, uh, yeah, 1818, 18. it's an interesting set. So it's like, I mean, the 36 questions themselves are based on a scientific study by Arthur Aaron from 1997 called the interpersonal, wait, the experimental generation of interpersonal closeness, um, which was then kind of co-opted as the New York times, like 36 questions to fall in love. Hmm. Um, and so our show is a musical. Uh, about a couple on the brink of divorce who use the 36 questions to try and save their marriage. Um, and it was, yeah, we went through so many versions of it, but having those questions as kind of our source text uh, really allowed us to both have a track that we were working towards or on between that and the log line. We were like, great. So all we got to do, all we got to do is like write the show but like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and build the whole world. But those were like our, our anchor points. You know, we had, we had these kind of these things that we knew to be true that could not change. And that was really grounded, really grounding when we were working on the piece. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we talk about it like a, it's like the show that never closes, you know, it's three episodes, three acts. It's always there. And it was really amazing to see, particularly during lockdown, like all of, oh my gosh, like <laughs> all of the young people discovering it, like uh, as a person who was like, also I was obsessed with Spring Awakening, like obsessed with Spring Awakening. And so a lot of layers, I was like, Jonathan Groff is in my show. That's banana town USA. And then to see these like, young people young artists like identifying with it and kind of like being able to use the audio in tiktoks because it's audio like was so cool it's so cool it's so cool it sounds cool and i'm gonna listen to it <laughs> <laughs> it's queer coded uh, there's a lot of like sneaky stuff in there <laughs> i look forward to uncoding it all yeah. <laughs> um i also i saw from your um I did some research on you. Hope that's not creepy. It's my job as a no, an job. interviewer. It's your job. Um, that joy is a big thing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quote. Quote. Joy is a big thing for me. Unquote. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's very true. Um, I only report the facts, and that is one. Um, right here first, folks. <laughs> what is that? What does joy mean to you? How do you? And it looks like your your pedagogy is joy based. What is what does that mean to you? And how do you find your joy? Oh, I mean, the queer answer is that it can change every day. 
but uh and that's the true answer but also it's there is a there was a time in my life where i just was feeling so guilty for not practicing for not making as much as I thought I should be making or doing as much as I thought I should be doing. Um, And I had a real kind of like coming to myself moment of like, why, what is this all for? Like, why am I doing this? Um, And I was like, okay, I want to get better at piano, but like me, like, forcing myself to go like music direct a high stakes thing where I have to play piano and then I come home and I have a panic attack every night is not a way that I'm going to like actually be able to improve. So I, and I've always had this issue with like practicing. Like I was like, why am I procrastinating? Why am I like waiting until the last minute to do something and, and, and banking on the adrenaline of like figuring it out to get to the to get to a point and i'm like when i do that it's like decent how good would it be if i took my time or how much more would i enjoy it because i i think i stopped thinking about like or not stopped thinking about but i tried to release thinking about the end product and and started to practice within myself like I just gotta like enjoy doing this. I'm like playing music. It's called playing music. You put on a play, like it's right there. It's right there. And I, as like, you know, classic millennial gifted child syndrome, as somebody who's like, I got straight A's, like meow, meow, meow. Like I did da, 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 da. Like I had all, I had all of these like, weird barometers of like success that had nothing to do with my own enjoyment of this incredible transcendent like thing that we as humans can access which is music which is like a thing that brings people together across language across culture across everything and it is like so amazing to me so that is all to say (laughs) that i honestly i started listening to lo-fi hip-hop and playing piano along with it and i was like how do I, how do I enjoy this more? I started learning covers. I started just like in lockdown. I was like, I got to get back to it. I was like, I got to get back to the source. I got to get back to why I'm doing this. Cause I cannot do it for outward validation because I cannot perform. I can't perform anymore. So what am I going to do when I'm trapped in my house? Um, and I found for me the way that I knew I was going to return to it, that I knew I was going to continue to work on that song or write that song was to enjoy it and to like find the play and and really to approach it with a sense of curiosity which is easier said than done but um in my pedagogy it's like when i work with my students who range in age from like 12 to 60 it's like why are you doing this like why do you like to sing what is your favorite thing that you like to sing or what is your favorite kind of music to listen to what is your like like what when we're working on a song you know it might be like okay that was great what was your favorite part of that song to sing and let's just sing it like four times you know like let's just like really enjoy it and like because i think there's something to i i noticed that i had become allergic to rigor and i was like i don't think rigor is the problem i think that it is how we color rigor and i think that you can be playful and rigorous is is my approach now and and my hope and i um i know that when i'm not enjoying something it i try to approach it like it's like a gap right it's like it becomes a puzzle i'm like okay i will do this work if i'm enjoying it so what is the what is the game how do i like gamify this situation and i try to bring that to students and collaborations as well I love that so much. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I mean, just like, in, it's just like, I just like, I feel like I have like similar mantras or pun, yeah. pun intended, but like, or like vibes <laughs> around like pulling out the like positive of things. Like, uh, I don't know if you can see it says learn from everything. Yes. It's like, yes. even in the shittiest shit moment, like what's the thing that I can learn from this and like, how can I spin this? And and not everything can be spun, 
but um just that that the practice of looking for a silver lining or looking for the the one anchor piece that will bring joy i think is really really important totally and and like you know chris and i have worked on a lot of projects together over the last 10 years we've been collaborators for for 10 years now and you know when we hit a snag in something it's usually because we like aren't having fun when we're doing it and so we're like all right maybe we gotta go for a walk maybe we gotta play some like you know super smash bros maybe we gotta like do something to like get get out of this and like find a way to like kind of jack in the box like crack this thing crack it open and and find the delight and the surprise again the delight and the surprise i love that um Really quick before we move into uh, time, always flies on these these conversations. Oh my God. I literally, yeah. <laughs> but I want to. You in qu- Brooklyn? You're in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Great. Yeah. Are you also in Brooklyn? I am also in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was interviewing Sammy Ray from Sammy Ray and the Friends, and we had a similar moment of like, and I was like, "Where in Brooklyn?" And I was like, "Just kidding. You don't have to tell me." <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to be creepy. I just was excited, and it's like, "Okay, we're in Brooklyn." Yeah, we're in Brooklyn. We can- Man. We could hang, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, li- I listened to that episode and I was like, oh my god, I forget that like Sammy Ray is also in Brooklyn, and at any point we could cross paths. Yes, so awesome. Exactly. Um, okay, so uh, Story Pirates has always been in my like ether. Before oh, sure. I even before I even moved to New York City, my friend uh, Dolce like. I forget, like, babysat someone who was really into the Story Pirates, and then we went to, and this was before Story Pirates is what it is now. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my improviser friends are Story Pirates, and, um, well, so this is a side note. We went to, like, a fundraiser Halloween party, and Kristen Shaw was there. Do you know who Kristen Shaw is? Yeah, I know who Kristen uh, Shaw is. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Icon. I made her laugh, <gasps> and I was, like, retired. I'm retired. I don't, what else is there to do? What house, what else is there to accomplish? It was, I, yep, yep. It was so good. Um, but, and so I was happy to see like through the years, how, how big story pirates is, got, is, are, um, because what they do is so important, which is empowering young people to like embrace their creativity and see their ideas come to life. And I was so tickled and surprised to see that you collaborated with the one and only Sarah Bareilles on the Dancing Cupcake song, which is a banger, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's like you saying those words. I'm like, no way. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. (laughs) Yeah. And guess what? It's you. Crazy. Wild. It is. It's bananies bonkies. And it is so, bananies bonkies. For right? Sure. <laughs> it is all those things. And like, well, and because Sarah's voice is like butter. It's like heaven plus butter plus cupcake frosting, you know? And, Literally. but like, could you imagine being Violet who wrote this piece? Like, like, what is that? We both did the exact same motion just now. What is it? <laughs> Which was like mind blown. Uh, emoji but like did you collect did you talk to violet at all this nine-year-old kid who got who is now like a songwriter for sarah barellis i tragically have not had like a face-to-face or um with violet but i did see some clips on the internet of violet like reacting to the song Mm, and like mm. dancing to the song and she also like introduces it on the podcast Mm -hmm. which like hearing her voice and hearing her talk about it also like (laughs) lee was like what would you do with the cupcake and she was like eat it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i was like yes okay like anime cupcake like whatever (laughs) eat the cupcake you made it it, yeah that's what it's there for that's so good. Which I was like, there is there is power in Violet. Violet is a powerful being. <laughs> Violet, you're turning Violet, Violet. Okay, so did we pick, and by we, I mean, because I was not in that at all, Sarah Bareilles because of Waitress and Sugar Butter Whoa. Flower? Or was it, uh, like, what no, was? That is actually truly a connection that I just made in this moment here today. Okay, <laughs> I, No, it was, I, I was lucky enough, I've worked a lot with, um, 
the story pirates over the last ooh, uh, I want to say five years. Um, I connected with Lee. I had been a um, originally I joined them. I would I want to say like six or seven years ago as an accompanist, mm. as a pianist. Um, and as I mentioned earlier in this interview, playing piano for people is actually incredibly nerve wracking for me. So um, I I pretty quickly was like, okay, just I I want to do this more. Like I love this group. I don't think I'm like with it enough to be an actor, and I don't know if I'm like skilled technically and confident enough as a pianist. Um, and like that realization happened to come in line with like the podcast coming out and mm. that happened as 36 questions came out. And so they were like, Hey, we're looking for someone to write songs on the story pirate podcast. Like who can write musical songs for a podcast. And I was like, I got you. I was like, I can do that. I have a unique set of skills and I can absolutely <laughs> step in for that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I've had the, you know, uh, I've made a bunch of tunes with them over, over the years. And I really just want to take a moment to, to like thank them because I really got my producer, my music producer chops, like making songs with Story Pirates. Um, and, uh, and the fact that I like even got paid to do that is so cool and so backwards from like what we're taught, like how learning has to be as artists. Um, and so Lee reached out to me and was like, hey, I think, I think, um, like, what would you say about writing a song for Sarah Bareilles? And I'm pretty sure I responded in all caps, like, ah, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I would love to. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the dancing cupcake just, uh, we like see stories and I saw that story and I was like, this is unhinged. I have to make a dance song out of this. I have to make this into a pop song. And I guess Sarah Bareilles has to sing it. I don't, I don't know if I get to decide that, but that would be awesome if she did. That is so cool. It's very, and it, very cool. It's, it is a real banger. Like, it's like, I was listening to it right before hopping on here and I was like, I kind of don't want to turn this off. <laughs> like, I'm like, Ellen can wait. <laughs> I'm just oh my kidding. God, thank you. No, but I think, but I, that's like, I mean, I always approach all of those songs. Like, I'm like, it's not like kids are humans. They want to listen to, they want to listen to music that's like on the radio, you know, like, and so anytime I approach a song for Story Pirates, I'm just like, okay, like this one's like inspired by Fiona Apple. Like, okay, this one's like more Sufjan leaning. Like, okay, this one is a little more ABBA. Like I want to like give like young people, I I don't know. I think, I think that there is a lot of content out there that talks down to kids. And I really hope with Story Pirates that like the music that uh, I get to make with them is just as enjoyable for the parents and also people who don't have kids. And it's just, um, it's really just been a, a joy. That's a big, like joy launch pad for sure. Working with a child lyricist. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Everyone listen to it right now. Pause this. Check it out. Dancing Finish this episode and then flip on over to story pirates. Um, and also we can talk about this offline, but I wonder what mutual friends we have in the story pirate world absolutely we'll, we'll yeah. chit chat okay yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna move us into the lightning round oh my gosh. um which is it's meant to be for fun and games okay. it is the, the <sighs> trick with this one is is not multiple choice because i i had a lot of uh either or questions and was called in very gently that this was too binary of a game so it's all mostly open-ended except there's one that i could not get rid of uh but if you've listened right. to episodes you might know uh, but just answer, you know, and you can pass. It's just for fun. Okay. You ready? I'm in a power pose and I'm, and I'm, hold on, I put both my feet on the ground. Yes. Okay, grounding right. my power <laughs> pose. This is my avocado pose. Avocado? Yeah. So this, this is my power pose. Oh. Yeah. Wow. This you is really good? unbridled power here. <sighs> yeah. Whoa. Shout out to Caroline. Same Caroline I mentioned earlier. Okay. Oh my gosh. Ready? Our arms are big and, and wide right now. Big and wide arms. Okay. Okay. Try this? <laughs> what yeah. is the name of your superhero alter ego? Oh my God. A sparkle griddle glitter. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I got it. I got it. Sparkle glitter gremlin. Oh yeah. Where's your favorite place to think? There's a spot in Fort Greene that is this little dip 
of grass underneath the shade of a tree and I like to go there and read. In the dip. In the dip. I love that. Who is an influential queer person who has impacted your life? You know them. You love them. It's Al. Ah, we love Al. <laughs> a song that you can listen to on repeat forever. Constant Repeat by Charlie XCX. Hmm. A lot of states, uh, this is a question I'm like still figuring out how to ask. A lot of states have proposed and passed don't say gay bills. So how do you say gay? I say gay by rocking my carabiner and wearing a crop top and uh, Tevas with socks and baggy pants and um, a nice oat milk latte. That's so gay. Good job. <laughs> okay, this is a question I literally ask everybody. Where do you find joy? Honestly, with my dog, mm. I, I find so much joy with, with my dog, Ruby. I love that. Okay, and last but certainly not least, bagels or donuts? Bagels. Yes, not even a question. Bagels. 100% A+. Plus. You passed. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bagels. Bagels. Oh, Can you imagine? Oh. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really love being known as a snob in any way. But I, I accidentally am a bagel snob, and I don't mean to be. But, like, if I am anywhere, and that is not New York City, I won't even – except there's one place in Columbus, Ohio, that has semi-decent bagels. Okay. But other than that, I'm not even wasting my time. And I said that once, and I'm like – and they were like, you're a snob. That's a snobby thing to say. <laughs> and I was snob like, behavior. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I guess – fine. I guess I need to own that part of me. But anyways, bagels are the right answer. Oh, man. Yeah. I love a donut, too, but... Me, too. A donut is going to be what it is. You can't prepare a donut once you receive a donut. Exactly. But if you receive a bagel, it can be so many things. So, honestly, I feel like bagels are queer-coded. I said it. I... Am, I'm going to say this, and this is too soon, but this is queer fashion. I love you. <laughs> like bagels are so queer how have i never so thought weird. of that come on You're they can be spreading uh, stuff in there they can be, be sweet anything. they can sweet? be savory they can savory? be both can be both come on they could be oh my lord <laughs> you get like no. a, a cinnamon raisin bagel with like with like a with a well also i gotta do tofu cream cheese because i'm lactose intolerant but uh in quotes cream cheese? yeah <laughs> yeah oh my lord Okay, so well, so not to get ahead of myself and our friendship, but the best bagels in Brooklyn are right by my apartment. We should have bagels. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they have really good yeah. tofu cream cheese. Oh my gosh, here for a bagel date, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. All right. Fun. Ellen, thank you so much for being here and thank you for coming out. Thank you so much for having me. At the time that this episode airs, my song Feel Good is officially out in the world, as is my second single, Close to You. And now, upcoming on September 15th, my tune Self Care is going to be dropping. Bonus, if you're in Brooklyn, I have a show at Come On Everybody that day. So come on through. You can find me on all of the social media platforms as well as on Patreon with Ellen Winter Makes Things. Thank you so much. It was truly, truly a joy. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you for coming out.